Hey everybody, Mark here. Thanks so much for tuning in to this special episode of the Menlo Moments podcast. This is pointing towards our Menlo 150 launch where we're looking back and celebrating 150 years of history here at Menlo Church and hearing stories from congregants like Bert and Mimi McDowell. They've been attending the Menlo Park campus off and on since Mimi was a little girl and have an amazing story about following Jesus, both kind of falling away and then coming back to him. So it's an amazing story. They've been involved with a lot of things like the marriage mentoring, Brazil, if you've been to Hope Unlimited for Children, as well as just stories around how God can call people back in very unexpected ways. So enjoy this episode. It was so fun to record. And now we're going to hear a little bit more about Bert and Mimi. Well, I've been here the longest, so I'll start with uh, okay. where I grew well, up. I can ask you And uh, I grew up in Atherton. Okay. And, and um, I, the way we got started at Menlo Press, I have a brother who's 10 years older than me. Okay. He's passed away, but he's because I was trying to get a few details for, okay. for this. But he, um, he found Menlo Park Presbyterian Church. I'm not sure how I called both of his kids to find out. Oh, did you really? And they couldn't tell me the story. But he had a group of friends, and he wanted them all to come with him Mm -hmm. over to this church. And they ended up having a a fabulous youth group in high school. Interesting. So youth group experience. So your whole family was... From Atherton, born and born and raised. My or? whole fa- okay. no, I'm the only one that's a, a native Californian. Oh, my, really? My, the rest of my mom and dad okay. and sister and brother were all born in the Chicago area. Okay. So uh, anyway, I don't know where anybody was attending. My parents were attending church. I know my father. I think they were at a Baptist church. And my father was at a Baptist yeah. church. Okay. It was a Baptist. My mother, Episcopalian. Yeah. But anyway, we ended up coming here. And I was probably, my memory goes back to about six years of age, which might have made my brother 16. So that's okay. probably mm-hmm. about right. And um, I don't have many vivid memories of it or memories that much. But I think there was uh, the head of the children's ministries was either Miss or Mrs. Wilder, I think. But um, so I remember that, and I continued to uh, attend here, as did my family. Mm -hmm. And um, then in junior high school, or high school, um, I went through a class that's a lot like the Seekers and Joiners Mm, class. And um, made... A confession of Christ, okay. but and I got sprinkled. There was oh. no dunking back then. Okay, <laughs> I got sprinkled, okay. baptized. But uh-huh. unfortunately, at that stage of my life, I really only knew about Jesus. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I discovered later mm. that I really didn't have a relationship with Him. Okay, interesting. So that's how we got started there. Okay, and so your whole family was attending together and. I, you know what, um, I don't have that many memories of okay. that. I think I peeled off and sure. went to junior high and high school. Okay. I remember one thing, and I yeah. don't know whether it was Scott Farmer, one of our pastors at sure. years ago uh, or not, but we were on a ski uh, trip, 
and I'd never been skiing before, but it was a great, you know, either junior high or high school group. And it's so amazing because Phil was talking about the Lord's Prayer. Oh, yeah. And mm -hmm. thy kingdom come, mm -hmm. thy will be done. And our teacher taught us thy kingdom come on earth in me. Mm. Thy will be done on earth in me. Interesting. To this day, I say that every time oh. I say the Lord's Prayer. Okay. And I just thought how beautiful that is to have internalized that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That is beautiful. Wow. Amy, thanks so much for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. And Bert, where did you grow up? Were you also a California native? No, I'm no. from Kansas City. Okay. Kansas City Hayseed is what I call myself. Okay. Uh-huh. And uh, grew up there. And um, my mom and dad were, were uh, believers. They, they mm. came from a very, um, very conservative, yeah. sort of almost fundamentalist background from the South. Sure. And uh, they moved to Kansas City mm -hmm. and chose, uh, in reaction to that fundamentalist background, a, a church that was very liberal. And so I, I grew up attending that church. Uh, and um, was very involved in the choir, junior deacon, and all that stuff. Was baptized at I think twelve. I had no clue what the gospel was, yeah. no idea. Wow. And um, so, uh, but they were people of faith. We prayed at our every meal. I prayed. I'd, uh, they taught me the Lord's prayer, and we would. They would be on their knees with me, at my bedside wow. at nighttime. And I, I, ne I will never forget um, one time as a teenager when I was beginning to question, sure. you know, is this stuff the real, is this real? Uh -huh. Walking down the hall um, upstairs and I looked into my, in my dad's bedroom and he was on his knees by himself mm. in his pajamas praying. Wow. And I thought, oh my gosh, he, he really believes this stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That must have been pretty influential on. It did, it, it hit me later yeah. when I became a believer because sure. I was not a believer at that okay. point, and went off to when I went off to college. Mm -hmm. Where'd you go to school? Well, I went two years to Grinnell College in Iowa, and then mm -hmm. transferred out here to Stanford. Ah, oh, okay. And that's how I ended up in California, Got and um, <laughs> and I became a card-carrying atheist in, as a biology major sure. and, and bought into evolution and mm -hmm. had the very depressing philosophy that, uh, that, that a human, uh, that I as a human had evolved to the point where I could re realize that I was an evolutionary accident. Mm -hmm. And so life was completely and utterly meaningless other than whatever I put into it. And I, um, I like being my own God. Yeah. And so that was, that was me from that age uh, for another 20 years until I was 39. Wow, okay. So at what point did you two meet? Was it when you were attending Stanford? Um, we met right after I graduated from San Jose State as a nurse. Okay. And I, my first job was up at UCSF. Okay. His first clinical rotation as a medical student ah. was in pediatrics. Okay. 
Okay. And so I worked the evening shift, uh -huh. and uh, he, uh, he went in to draw some blood on one of my patients, and I walked in, and, and he asked me out to coffee at 10 o'clock at night. Classic <laughs> doctor I, move. Yeah, doctor's <laughs> hours, you know. So anyway, we, we ended up um, uh, then going out, and it, okay. it was a great relationship right okay. from the beginning. Yeah. So then at what point did you talk about your faith? Because I'm assuming you continued in no, your faith? That's no, that's a story. Okay. I have a short story. Love to hear about that. Um, I went off to the University of Colorado, mm. um, and uh, I went to church one time. This was after San Jose State As, or before? No, this is uh, after high school. After high school, okay. Yeah, after high school. It was known as a party school. My sister and brother-in-law were from there, so I mm -hmm. just chose it and um, became a sorority, you know, entered a sorority, and, uh -huh. and it's just not really who I am. I, I was out of place, but... The bottom line is that I decided I wanted to be the captain of my own ship, yeah. and I didn't want to go back to church. Yeah. I didn't want any kind of authority that mm. I had to have over me. Mm -hmm. So um, I ended up, and th this is a picture, of, mental picture of what I did. I took Jesus, the Jesus I knew of, mm. or the Jesus that I might have had a romantic you know, sort of spiritual Christmassy feelings towards. Sure. And I put them in an old-fashioned pressure cooker. Mm -hmm. And um, they were these metal things, and you screwed them shut. Mm -hmm. And I put Jesus in the pressure cooker on the back burner at cold. And I said, don't come out. <laughs> mm -hmm. I know you're in there. We'll, yeah. we'll hang out later. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't bother me now. Sure, yeah. sure. I'm, I'm, I'm on my own. Yeah. And I, I want to be the captain. This yeah. is important. I want to be the captain of my own ship. Okay. So, yeah. is there something you want to... Well, uh, and our relationship was completely pagan <laughs> mm -hmm. from the get-go. And, uh, of course, my atheism, you know, reinforced her... Um, you know, strain from uh, what faith that she did have. Uh, but it is interesting that um, uh, after dating for a year, we got engaged, and 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 uh, because Mimi had attended Mimal Press and my family and and her family and yeah. and her dad was very very involved with with the church. Mm -hmm. um, Carrie Wissiger, who was a uh, pastor before uh, Walt Gerber. Uh, married us, and he interviewed us, wow. and he asked me about my yeah. faith. Mimi said, you know, that she believed that Jesus was the Son of God. Okay. And he asked me that, and I said, you know, nope, uh, I'm an atheist. And um, but he he went ahead and married us. But I found out later, um, after I became a believer, I had the opportunity to to talk with him, and he was just ecstatic so, that I'd so become happy. a believer. Oh, and he said, yeah. you know. I almost didn't marry you okay. because you, you know, it was unequally sure. yoked. And he was so happy that I had come to faith. Wow. Wow. That's, that's really interesting because I feel like both of you had an upbringing in faith. Hmm. And then both of you kind of went away and did your own thing. So 
how did you get back here? Who came back first? Oh, did you take him out of the pressure cooker first? I or? love that you're asking this. Yeah. Um, what happened was that, you know, I said, I want to be the captain of my own ship. Sure. Well, we were heading into a shipwreck. Okay. Parenting was hard, mm. very mm -hmm. hard. We had a challenging child, and I was not, I did not have the mother gene. And um, so we ended up having a lot of struggles, mm. especially when that child became um, a teenager. And um, we went through some counseling, mm -hmm. the, our child sure. and each of us individually all went through counseling. And um, I was really down at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, our, our child wasn't, you know, getting to a place where mm. things were going to be okay. We mm -hmm. were really not making the progress we'd hoped we could make. And one day I was in my bedroom, and I was thinking, I was very depressed, and I was thinking, is this all there is to life, is going to counseling and find out what you've do done wrong and hoping you do it right? Mm. And also, I've got all this guilt. Counseling doesn't doesn't do anything for yeah. that. Yeah. And I had a beautiful encounter with Jesus. It's, I call it my Damascus Road okay. conversion. Okay. And um, in that conversion, uh -huh. he immediately became, by the Holy Spirit, I know now, became my sin bearer. <sighs> so my guilt that I couldn't get rid of, yeah. he became the one who cared for me in, in my... Um, in, in my sin and my guilt. Yeah. But he, I also said, but what about the rest of my life? And he said, as long as you have breath in your lungs, your life will have purpose and meaning, mm. uh, in, in essence. Mm -hmm. But I have to tell you a funny little side. Sure. Yes, I do and, want and you to <laughs> say this. <laughs> okay. And that is, I, you know, this was a, a wonderful thought conversation with a very present Jesus. I don't want to make this anybody think that they have missed out on a conversion experience because okay. they haven't had this. But I was sort of having this thought conversation back and forth, and I, I said to the Lord, what about all the hypocrisy? Because believe it or not, at that time, I was from a wealthy town, right, Atherton, sure. back then. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people came to church in their mink coats and mm. white gloves. And I said, what about that? And what about the, all the hypocrisy? Yeah. And Jesus clearly, clearly told me, never look to man to see who I am. Wow. You get into my word. And it just so happened that that day wow. I was having lunch with my sister, who was in her fifth year of sure. Bible study fellowship, okay. which is a very yeah. wonderful, in-depth Bible study. Mm -hmm. So that yeah. after that, I'll let you describe how, how that was for you. Yeah. Well, I also oh. want to know, how did that feel when, like, was God on your mind before no. that? So no. it was just I a thing that happened? I was, it's such a picture of grace, yes, oh, it is. Mark, because I was not searching for God. Wow. I was searching, you know, through counseling sure. and therapy yeah. and everything else. But I was not, I was, I was not searching for God. And that's his pure, unmitigated grace. 
did you like how did you how did it just feel like it was God? Like how did you know in that moment that it, this it, was because if I know I'm trying to put myself in that situation and it's like if I'm desperate for something and then I have this feeling in this encounter, was that just from like it your... was overwhelming? Wow. It okay. was I, I literally was became alive. Wow. You know, Ephesians says we were dead in our yeah. sins. Now mm -hmm. Christ has made us alive. Okay. That's exactly what I felt like. You can use all sorts of terms for me. Born again. Yeah. But one one thing I want Bert to tell you because it really okay. is a part of my story. So I changed almost overnight, and I started going to Bible study yeah. and never stopped. I'm <laughs> still there in Bible study <laughs> okay. because Jesus has said, never look to man to yeah. see who I am, get in my word. Yeah. Yeah. And that has been okay. the hunger sure. of my life is to be in the word, to yeah. teach it, to mentor with it, yeah. and all of that. Okay. So then you talked to Bert, the card-carrying atheist, as you described yourself, and you just said, I had this encounter with God, and what was your reaction, yeah, Bert? Yeah. <laughs> well, what is interesting is that Mimi was not searching at all. Right. And during that 20 years of atheism, I had a, a hole in my soul. Mm. I knew that. And I had this love-hate relationship about Christians. I thought they were crazy, mm. but I wanted to know about that. and one of there was a guy at, at at the mental clinic where I worked, who was, had all kinds of credentials, mm -hmm. you know, super smart guy. And I found out he was a Christian. I went in and I, I I hardly knew him, but I said, "I've heard, are you a Christian?" And he said, "Yes." And I said, "I can't believe anybody as intelligent as you can be a Christian." <laughs> and he he fortunately <laughs> smiled. He didn't throw me out of the office. Sure. He reached over and grabbed. One of about five paperbacks, they're all identical. I pulled it off and handed it to me. It was John Stott's Basic Christianity. He said, Why don't you read that? Let's have lunch. So I, I read it. I still have that copy at home. He witnessed to me. Um, I did believe after reading that book that sin existed. That was a breakthrough, but I didn't personalize it. Uh, okay. And all of his witness, I said, man, you ought to be a pastor. You're, you, I can't believe how articulate you are. Went right over my head, though. I mean, it, uh, what, what amazes me is just how God inter, in, invaded our lives. Yeah. He sought us out. Mm -hmm. I, I was, you know, sort of seeking, but I had nothing to do with this. Mimi's conversion was overwhelming, and I just saw her come alive. I mean, she was depressed and and hopeless, and she just became on fire. And uh, I felt like I was standing on, well, I, I said one night, I said, I feel like you're in love with someone else. And she said, I, I am. Interesting. And I said, I think you love him more than me. And she said, I do, but I love you more than ever. And it was apparent wow. that she did. Everything about her was better. Oh. It was overwhelming. It just, yeah. it was an overwhelming experience to see her, the transformation in her life. Mm -hmm. And I realized uh, what I'd been hungering for, she had. Mm -hmm. So I started to attend Menlo Prez. Mm -hmm. 
um, somewhat reluctantly, and she didn't put any pressure on me. Mm. Which is not. Which was very atypical. Very atypical. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) She's quite capable, particularly at that time in our lives, of putting pressure on me to do what she wanted me to do. Wanted me to, but uh, Mm -hmm. she put zero pressure, and but I uh, I started attending, and then uh, they had a seekers and joiners class at the time. So this is six six months later. Okay. So I, I've been attending, and I noticed that she was not the only person that was filled with this life. There were other people there at, at church. Walt was the pastor. Sure. So I joined the Seekers and Joiners class, and I was scared to death to join it because I was afraid. I thought there were only going to be two options. One, I would join the church as a hypocrite, not really believing. Mm-hmm. Or the worst option was... I would not join and be empty again. Mm. And uh, in the Seekers and Joiners class, John Jinks was my group leader, and he was a pillar of the church. And we read The Prodigal Son, and I identified, even though I was a prodigal in a big in, in spades, I identified with the older son. Yeah. Sure. And one of the questions was, what's wrong with the relationship with the son, the older son, and the father? And I said, well, he's arrogant, prideful. And the Holy Spirit sort of said, hey, <laughs> do you know anybody like that? <laughs> and so that night, I got on my knees and I said, if you exist, God, and I wasn't at all sure, uh, take away my pride. Yeah. And the next day, I, I got down on my knees and receive Christ. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And transformational. And I went from, you know, total pro-abortion, no reason to uh, not to abort an unwanted child. I mean, it's just an evolutionary accident to, oh my gosh, how could I, how can you, this is a creation of God. Mm. It was just, without any sure. rational processing, it was, I knew that the Holy Spirit had come into me yeah. and completely changed my whole worldview wow and then how did that affect your relationship together because at, at one oh, point transformation yeah because yeah. I, I up until that time I, I described it as i felt like i was standing on uh, a train platform mm. and mimi was on the train waving goodbye right. i mean she was going down the track yeah, somewhere and i didn't know where it was and i didn't even invite him to church because i didn't want to put any pressure on him okay. i just said i'm going to church and he said okay well i later. might just come along uh-huh. yeah. but you know we're we're talking about our our church this wonderful church mm-hmm. one quickie here is the very first day I was at church, and I think you were with me. I'm not sure. Might have been. But anyway, um, Walt is, you know, welcoming everybody, and he said, you're not here by accident. You're here by divine providence. Yeah. I, I get goosebumps right now even mm. saying that to you. It was as if God was saying that to me mm. through Walt. Yeah. And that happened many times with Walt, but sure. that was how how beautiful wow. to feel, you know, my uh, this new pastor uh-huh. to me, new to me, saying something like that mm-hmm. to me. How did he know? Yeah. <laughs> wow. mm. Yeah. And then from there, how did uh, 
do you get involved? I mean, it sounds like you're at church all the time doing Bible studies and this and that. And then Bert, now you're kind of buying in. You're like, okay, if, you know, I'll lay down my pride. And so was it just, I'll start attending more often or did you jump right in to do some of the life group things or the classes things or what was that journey like? Yeah. I, I mean, we, we were attending every week okay. uh, regularly. Um, and, and we had children to, that needed yeah. to get integrated. Okay. Too. So, did you allow them to make the choice, or are you just like, y'all are coming to church with well, me? <laughs> one of them we didn't have any choice for. <laughs> yeah. okay. That's the one that, okay. that yeah. brought me. Yep. He, that was probably me. He, he led <laughs> us to Jesus. Yeah. And, he, and he, he did. He did. But, but it was not by witnessing. But, um, yeah, and I, I got, uh, Mimi was very involved with BSF. Mm-hmm. But it was uh, not at this church. It, okay. it was over at another and, church. And then I, I took the Bethel uh, series, mm. um, which was offered here at the church. And then subsequently I got involved with BSF as well, which was a spot, the men's group was meeting at Menlo. Mm-hmm. And um, and I started attending men's Bible study on Saturday morning. Walt led that. It was a wonderful, uh, wonderful time. Mm-hmm. So, um, and we went to Mount Hermon together, the family camp, family camp. every every wow. fall, yeah. every yeah. fall. Uh, you know, the whole church. You know, not, not a lot of not the whole church, but lots of people sure. would go and, to Mount and Hermon. And I went to the women's, you know, thing down at yeah. um, Solomar okay. every year. Wow. And um, we basically, God gave us new friends mm-hmm. through all of this. We really met a lot of wonderful people. Yeah. And then at some point, you found yourselves involved with the missions trip. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we were interested in mission. I expressed it to Rick Langlow, who was the mission pastor here, okay. and he subsequently became the executive pastor before he, he went to Southern California. But um, and our first mission trip was actually to Mauritania, Africa. Mauritania, Africa. Interesting. And, and okay. I didn't even, when, when Rick said, would you like to go to Mauritania? Like, to, uh, we had to go look it up. We, we didn't sure. even know where the heck sure. it was. Okay. And um, so we went with Judy and Gary Hagan. G- uh, Gary was oh. uh, the uh, business administrator for the church at the time. Okay. And they led a, a marriage mentoring thing for the World Vision team over there. Mm-hmm. So we went over there with them. That was our first uh, experience. But um, I then came on session, and mm. and John Jinks was the chair of mission, and I was in the mission uh, department. Okay. And that's uh, when I got involved with Hope Unlimited for Children. Oh, yes. Because uh-huh. uh, that's uh, when the church, uh, I believe it was about 90 t- 1992, made um, a $120,000 gift uh, grant, uh, and they offered it to 40 different applicants, and Hope ended up winning it. And so one of the founders, Jack Smith, the dad, and his his son, Philip, founded it. Mm -hmm. And Jack came to the church to thank us for this incredible gift that literally launched the ministry in, in Brazil. And Rick asked us to have uh, Jack over for dinner um, following that service and so um, we had Jack for dinner and uh, Jack invited me and our prodigal son okay. to go to Brazil 
Yeah, you and, know, long hair down to here. His, <laughs> his, his boxers were hanging down below. He wasn't even eating dinner with us. You know, he's just cruising. Ear, earrings sure. in his ears. Yeah. <laughs> and Jack, Jack's got kind of gray, gray hair around here, bald. Paunchy old guy, and okay. and he sees Scott walk through the, the the room, and he hops up off from the table and says, "You must be Scott. I want you to come to Brazil this summer with your dad." And he hadn't even mentioned anything to me. That that, that was classic Jack. And, and so Scott wasn't having Scott Scott just sort of looked at him like, "Who is who this is person?" This? Yeah. And um, anyway, so I I, t I told later I I told Jack I said. I'd love to come to Brazil, but there's no way Scott's going to come because he's uh, he hasn't he hasn't even attended he's not attending church. Jack said, "I think he's going to come. I'm praying that he will come." Mm. So I just gave him Scott. I said, "Hey, we we need to make vacation plans for the summer. So if we're going to go to Brazil, let me know. If we're not, let me know, and then we'll make some other plans uh, to do something." And he came in about a week later and said, "Let's go to Brazil." That was in 1993, okay. and we um, went down on a father-son work trip. Yeah. It was transformational for him and for me. Yeah. And then we led a work trip from Menlo in 1994, the, uh, the okay. next year. And by this time, Scott had, and you know, he had become a Christian. Really? Yeah. 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 And Do you think it was because of that first trip down? Did that play a I, big I, part I, in it? It's, his spiritual journey is... Is uh, I don't know exactly. He yeah. he's been <laughs> saved sure. from eternity, but uh, there's more to the story. But I I don't know. I do remember vividly one of the kids asking him. I think it was in '93, but it might have been in '94. One of the street kids, one of the Brazilian, kids asked him, yeah. "How can you be a Christian with long hair and earrings?" <laughs> and he said, "It's not what's on the outside; it's what's in your heart." That was his response. An answer. Yeah. Proud mom and dad moment right there. Proud mom and dad <laughs> moment. A, a, yeah. a euphoric would be yeah. the better term, oh, probably. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And he came, um, he showed up when our daughter uh, on Senior Sunday gave a sermon. Oh. And I was just thinking of the verse, and now to him who does uh, beyond anything we could ask mm -hmm. for or imagine. Mm -hmm. And that's how I felt when Scott showed up and mm -hmm. went and to see his sister. Yeah. So he, his spiritual journey, his journey period has been a, yeah. <laughs> an interesting okay. one. But he's a, he's a great guy. Sure. It sounds like the relationship with Hope Unlimited continued after those first couple of years. Is that right? Very much so. I'm okay. still, still um, pray for Hope or we contribute to it. I was on the board for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And, um, it has, I, I can't thank Menlo enough for introducing me to Hope because I feel like through the ministry of Menlo and through BSF, I have learned about God and learned good doctrine. Mm -hmm. But at Hope, I have seen God mm -hmm. work miracles. Wow. I've seen him and at times I've been, you know, been discouraged about my own spiritual journey and my, and the slow agonizing process of sanctification mm -hmm. and when i have watched what god has done with these street kids and the transformation that's occurred it has strengthened my faith and that 
and in his power to do miraculous work. Yes. So it has been a huge blessing, the, one of the biggest blessings in my life. Yeah. We were talking a little bit earlier, but um, when I was on staff with Cafe and Sanctuary down the street in Menlo Park, I was able to lead a team that went down to Hope Unlimited yeah. in 2016 or 2017. Aww. Yeah. 2017? Yeah. And it was, I still remember it vividly. It was amazing. Um, just the... It's exciting. Yeah. I didn't know that. It was great. Yeah. I, I was able to go with my wife, and we took uh, about 18 or so other young adults from our church. Um, Scott Palmbush went with us, and oh. he, he he didn't chaperone his daughter, yeah. Kira, but she was on the trip as well. She was a little bit younger, so yeah. they came. And then um, we partnered with some folks from King's Academy with sure. Laura Becker-Lukey and some oh, of her yeah. friends. Yep. And so we were one of the first groups to do like a summer camp for the kids. Oh, mm. So really? we were able to like mm. rent a facility and basically give the kids there a vacation mm. for a week. The most exhausting week of my life. <laughs> yes, I bet. So transformational. And so like it was just like you said, like you can you can see actively the work yeah. that God is doing in people's lives. Yeah. It's just yes. unlike anything else. And Josh has got back from yeah. taking the uh, the high schoolers down there to do mm -hmm. the same thing, mm -hmm. and I can tell you that, uh, and that was the first trip for Americans since COVID. Oh yeah. And and okay. the kids in Brazil were saying, "When are the Americans coming back? When are they coming back?" <laughs> and when uh, they were euphoric sure. to have the Americans come back, but also euphoric to have. The camp, because the camp is is a highlight for their for their year, really. I think, and uh, so Menlo's involvement in making those camps happen mm -hmm. um, is just a huge gift yeah. to to Hope and to the kids. It's a gift to us, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like the oh, the yeah. people that get to go on the trip as well. Like it's just a such yeah. a privilege, and we were lucky too uh, to have a couple of we had Brazilian au pairs that were attending sanctuary um, oh. and young adults, and so they helped lead the trip too, and they would translate okay. for us. There was oh about four gosh, or five yeah. of them that came, and it's just amazing how God just kind of has that in the works, and um. how it just. But it was. Yeah, he, God wow. loves that ministry. He really does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's amazing that that you know, it started pretty much with that first inaugural trip, and now we're still doing things like that today. And like Absolutely. you said, Joshua Horton just got back from that trip, and they had an amazing time as well, which mm. was amazing. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Well, Menlo's been one of the uh, probably the most important supporter uh, church supporter of hope yeah. over the years without menlo it might not have existed i mean you know it's god's ministry he he could have made it happen a different way but the neat thing is that menlo has been part of it and has been blessed menlo's been blessed by right. hope and hope's been seriously blessed by menlo definitely and so as this is happening you two are both getting more involved what was that like with your marriage? Did you see your marriage changing at all with how you felt like you're being left behind and now you're all I've, you're on the train too? And so that yeah. that again, kind of to use your language earlier, the, the equally yoked part of that, that must have been really refreshing. Well, it was. I'm okay. I've not been as involved in mission 
okay. as Bert has. Um, sure. But you, I've, I've mm -hmm. gone on a couple of trips and right. things like that. That's mm -hmm. my heartbeat, um, and my ministry has been more mentoring mm. or teaching. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, Bert and I, I, I I'm uh, fairly comfortable being independent. He, he was very busy as a doctor, mm -hmm. and um, an internist, and got home, you know, late at night, and right. um, so I knew how, how to make life happen pretty well but when I you know when he was free I loved it mm -hmm. um, but the, the we we have <coughs> now that he's retired um, and I I am not actively teaching mm -hmm. at this time um, we really we're just having a fun season of our life we laugh a lot yeah. you know we go to the doctors and find out <laughs> something else is wrong, really and funny. then we and then we cry we, a little bit, we, and then we, we, we laugh have, a little more. As our friend Alan uh, Phipps says, we have organ recitals. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's really. Oh, funny. you know yeah. my stomach. Oh my. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, but yeah, yeah, our we our friendship and our yeah. fun. We have a lot of fun together it now. Like it. And uh, and yet we're both our quiet time is very important. Sure. We both go off to our corners okay. in the house <laughs> and uh, yeah. we'll share our BSF lessons with yeah. each other. Um, but spiritually, yeah. we're in a very, very peaceful place That's and we awesome. do the marriage. Yeah, um, let's talk uh, about that a little bit. The marriage mentoring. Okay. And that Bert was actually my first introduction to Bert was working with Sanctuary Young Adults. I would... Um, have a lot of people that were interested in pre-marital counseling. My wife Missy and I did that as well with yeah. uh, Bruce and Vicki Johnson. I yeah. saw that. Yeah. That was neat. And that was through your connection. And yeah. so how did that start? Were you guys, was there a marriage? It was around before us. Okay. Yeah. And then I think Christine Taylor, uh, who was an elder here ah. at, at one point, um, she and her husband and maybe a couple of other people okay. had a program. Then they changed from that program to prepare and rich, and um, yeah. uh, somebody, another couple, led it for a, a, a while, okay. and then they needed someone to take over, and Bert felt very called to okay. take that over. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, and he did some wonderful. Um, we did. Tr we trained couples, like mm -hmm. the couple that probably mentored you. They got a training and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And we've seen miracles in our, you know, mentoring other people sure it's a that's another blessing yeah. ministry it really is yeah sometimes it's hard of course Some, sometimes it's hard mm -hmm. but it really when you see them pick up on those skills communication yeah. skills yeah. and things like that uh, yeah. that they're going to carry with them through their marriage sure. it they're ex they're excited yeah you know they they mm -hmm. didn't learn it in their home or mm -hmm. from their home mm -hmm. a lot of us you know Mm -hmm. come into adulthood needing to learn new skills. Of course, yeah. And so, Bert, what what drove you to say yes to that ask of, will you help do this? Um, it, was, it was really interesting because I was not looking for anything else to do. Yeah, it sounded like you were kind of busy at that time. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, but um, we had really fallen in love with mentoring. And, and so... Uh, and uh, um, this other couple was retiring from the leadership role, and and I just thought th this ministry is just I I, I don't want it to die, so 
one Saturday, um, I just got on the computer and I started looking up data on what difference does it make to get premarital mentoring. Sure. And I discovered 30% reduction in divorce rates, a significant increase in, um, in um, an enriched relationship if you have premarital mentoring. Um, and then I looked up a bunch of stuff on focus on the family, on the devastation of divorce. Mm. And I thought, you know, this is a ministry that actually has proven data. Uh, as a doc, there's a thing called um, um, evidence-based medicine. Mm. And uh, what I've learned with evidence-based medicine is that a lot of the stuff I learned in medical school and was drilled into my head actually is not helpful. And in fact, and sometimes it's, it's actually counterproductive. Oh, and so, uh, and, and some of the things that, some of the programs and stuff, do we have any proof they work? Mm -hmm. This is a proven, effective ministry. So the, I got very passionate about it. Mm -hmm. And I, I know this works. Uh, this can stop divorce. And now with the major, my major desire I consider premarital mentoring like a minesweeper. It's you're looking for something that's going to blow up a relationship, mm. and and you may be able to diffuse the mind and have it not blow up, or you're going to say, hey, this relationship, um, the people will discover that the relationship is not meant to be for a, long, a life uh, lifetime. So preventing divorce was my primary motivation that that drove me mm -hmm. but obviously enhancing the relationship was also a huge benefit um so uh, at the, at the end of that day I'd, I'd spent the whole day just studying this stuff and by the end of that i just felt called mm -hmm. and then i thought well i'm not going to do this unless the rest of the leadership team says you know we want you to lead and also at that time charlie scanlon was the yeah. the the lead pastor for Menlo mm -hmm. uh, at the campus and I knew Charlie well he had he had, he had been the high school minister for our daughter and uh, so I went in and talked to Charlie and I said do you support this ministry and he said absolutely positively support it 100% and so once when he said that Mimi said thumbs up I said okay I'll, I'll lead so I did wow. for I think it was about seven or eight years something like that do you have stats on how many people have gone through marriage mentoring? I, I have them. I don't have them in my head. But we at one point, we had 40 trained couples. 40. Wow, those are the leaders that are meeting with. Well, those are yeah. the mentors. Yeah, those are we, the mentors. And, and, oh, we, wow. and we couldn't keep up with the demand. Yeah. But the weird thing is that the demand has just shriveled up. Now, part of that was COVID. Sure. But I think part of it is nobody wants to get married anymore. Mm. Because, and I've talked to Adam about this, mm -hmm. they're, they're hopeless about marriage. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, everybody, they look at the statistics. And yeah. so I'm, hope, I'm hoping to have a chance sure. to talk with Phil about, we're, we're working on a, an appointment and okay. hoping mm -hmm. to, to um, maybe encourage people yeah. to not just give up on marriage. Definitely. Well, as someone that went through the class, I can't recommend it enough. Um, yeah, those meetings were Thank super you. helpful. Oh, hoping you'd share what. Yeah, and you thought of it. I like I like the the kind of the framework of 
the potential bombs going off because mm. whether or not we realize it in our relationship, we thought we were both fairly healthy people that saw the world the same way. That's why we're getting married. And then when we dive into conversations around finance or how to have a, a hard discussion or yeah. these things, like I approached it my way, Missy approached it her way. Yeah. And we were in fact in line for most of it, but some parts we were not. And right. so if we wouldn't have had those conversations before, or be given the tools and the framework to work through them, not only in that moment, but as they actively come up or as they happen, it would have been really tough. Yeah. And you practice really does make a difference. I mean, active listening and good communication. And it's stuff that also needs to be revisited, in my opinion, because I'm Mm -hmm. very, very quick to forget a lot of the things that we talked about. And so every once in a while, we'll go back through and We'll look through our booklets, or we'll do um, we'll do an exercise that we remember that we did. Yeah, oh, good for you guys. Yeah, it's, it's 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 fun, kind of. I mean, <laughs> it's, it, we know that it's it's yeah. like working out. We know that it's good for us. Yeah. We're gonna be a little bit sore after we do it. It's gonna yeah. hurt a little bit, but in the long run, it's yeah. gonna make us much stronger. Yeah. A- so. a- amen. Yeah. And it, it just can. It, it can prevent a lot of bad habits from getting ingrained yeah. and a bad, bad dynamic. And if you let that bad dynamic die far enough, it, you get irreparable damage right. to a relationship. And, and this prevents that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I'm so glad to hear you had such yeah. a positive experience with it. Yeah, it was great. Um, and so what else? Um, what else would you like to share about Menlo or what else, what other stories maybe you'd like to share about as kind of in a reflective mindset? There's one thing I'd love to, to just say, and that is, um, you were asking, looking ahead 150 years, what do you hope Menlo church will be doing? Mm -hmm. And when we found out that we uh, had Phil as our new pastor, Mm -hmm. I felt very strongly in my spirit that God was saying, behold, I am doing a new thing at Menlo mm. Church. Mm-hmm. And um, mm. I am going to make Menlo into the beautiful bride mm. for the bridegroom mm-hmm. in Revelation. Yeah. And um, that just made I, I just my whole insides just feel so excited. Mm. And I, I shared that with another pastor, and <coughs> he felt the same way. Oh, good. Very much the same words that I was using. Mm-hmm. And uh, let us rejoice and behold and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made uh, herself ready. Mm. So mm-hmm. that's what we're about here yeah. is... Mm hour by hour, day by day, making ourselves more and more ready mm. to be a beautiful bride for our bridegroom. Mm. That's so good. Yeah. Bert, anything to add? I, I would, I'd love to just add that, you know, I first met John Jenks in that Seekers and Joiners class, and then we ended up being elders together in the mission department, and we became um lifelong friends. He became a mentor for me when I was on the board at Hope. Um, he mentored me. We met regularly for breakfast, and um, he was a real blessing in my life, and um, I, I really am grateful for that. The only other thing I wanted to say is that we are 
I think I can speak for you on this, very optimistic about where Menlo is right now. Um, We um, prayed a lot about uh, a new pastor, and Mm -hmm. uh, I love Phil's humility. Mm -hmm. I love his focus on on the the core of the gospel Mm -hmm. and, and and the transformation that needs to happen within each of us for us to reach others, mm-hmm. and uh, I think um, I think the church it may be healthier now than I have seen it in a long time, yeah. and I I love the direction it's moving in, and uh, I'm really optimistic about the future. I don't have a clue what 150 years from now is going <laughs> to look like, though. I don't know if anyone does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, even 10 years is enough. Sure. Yeah. So anyway. So good. Well, thank you so much for being on. This was such a yes. fun conversation, and oh, good. I'm very happy to have had it. And just am, am gonna have to listen back and reflect about some of. I, I don't know if you you probably know, but there is some a lot of wisdom in and how you are responding to things, things that you're sharing, the way that you're answering questions. And so I find that very encouraging, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I find your optimism for where we're headed also really encouraging mm-hmm. because you have seen a lot since you've been here you've experienced a lot since you've been here and so taking that into consideration with thinking about where this church is headed saying we're in a good spot saying that we're headed into a bright future it makes it leaves me very encouraged oh good mark it's a a joy to work with you you have a gift you really have a wonderful (laughs) gift and um and you can make sure this part is on i was gonna cut it out yeah That you really do. You, your your warmth is yeah, just. You're fun. You exude warmth, mm-hmm. and and you, you could not make us more relaxed, yeah. and at ease. It's been fun to great. talk to you. I mean, great. Great. it's just been awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank okay. you for everything you're doing.